Hi, it's Melissa Moore, and welcome to Mile High Magazine. We appreciate you joining us this Sunday morning. I'm happy to be talking this week with Janine Smith. She is with the Colorado Ovarian Cancer Alliance. She's the associate director and also in charge of Jody's Race for Awareness Director. Good morning. Good morning, Melissa. And I might want to say you're also a 21-year ovarian cancer survivor. Is that right? Yes, I am. I'm very fortunate. I was diagnosed at stage two 21 years ago. That is incredible. So what would you say as a survivor and also somebody who works here in Colorado at the Colorado Ovarian Cancer Alliance, what is the most important thing that women need to know about ovarian cancer? Well, that's a really important question because there is no test for ovarian cancer. 80% of women think that a pap smear covers them for ovarian cancer, but it does not. The only thing that women have to have is to be aware of the symptoms of ovarian cancer and know their family health history. And I can tell you a little bit about the symptoms of about ovarian cancer. Yeah, please do, because I know that it is, I've read about things in magazines and different articles, and a lot of women don't realize that some of their symptoms could be that. Absolutely right. I think especially as women age, we experience a lot of these symptoms And um, so we just kind of put them off and think, oh, it's just because I'm getting older or it's something I ate. But if women are experiencing abdominal pain or fullness, uh, maybe they're experiencing a difficulty eating, finishing a meal, or they're having urinary uh, trouble, maybe they're going to the bathroom more frequently, or they're even just having some sort of issue below the belt is what we often talk about. Um, so if they're just if they're having those symptoms for more than two weeks in any month, that's when they should go to the doctor. And it doesn't mean they have to have all four of those symptoms. Any one of those symptoms could be a sign that they may have ovarian cancer. Well, that's re- I think that's a really important point to make out. Look, you don't have to check every box. If you've got something and it's prolonged as far as those symptoms go, go to the doctor. Then what happens when they get to the doctor? How does the doctor, if there are no tests that mm-hmm. determine ovarian cancer, what does the doctor do to determine what's going on? Well, and this is where a woman often has to be her own best advocate. She needs to go to the doctor, and if she would, takes note of what her symptoms are, actually write them down and tell the doctor how frequently you're having them. Then go to the doctor and ask for a pelvic exam. There is a blood test called a CA-125 blood test. And it does. it isn't a definitive test, but it certainly gives the doctor an idea whether something is maybe going on. Mm-hmm. And then a transvaginal ultrasound. And that ultrasound is really relatively, it's, it's painless. And it's just an easy test that lets them take a little bit closer look inside to see if there's something happening. Uh, and then if, if they do think that there's something unusual, either in the blood test or the uh, CA-125 or the transvaginal ultrasound or the exam, they will send them for a CAT scan to take a closer look. And I was going to ask you about, you know, so so someone goes to the doctor, they have these tests done. A lot of women have suffered with ovarian cysts. How is it different? Well, it is. (laughs) Here's the interesting part is ovarian cysts are not a precursor for ovarian cancer. We've discovered in the last, oh, probably seven or eight years that ovarian cancer actually begins in the majority of cases in the fallopian tubes. And so that cancer actually goes and sort of drips down onto the surface of the ovary, Mm -hmm. causing ovarian cancer. 
So if someone has a lot of ovarian cysts, we really don't want them to worry that that's a precursor to cancer. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't be going to the doctor to use a double negative. They definitely should be going to their doctor and having that checked out. But um, ovarian cancer often begins in that outer layer of the ovary uh, caused by cancer in the fallopian tubes. I have never heard that before. That is fascinating. Isn't it? Yeah, and it's a, it's a new discovery that I think they've, they've helps us really identify why the majority of cases of ovarian cancer, and there are over 40 types, um, are uh, that ep- what they call the epithelial cancer that starts in the over- outer layer of the ovary. Is there an age range where women are more susceptible to ovarian cancer? Well, we, you know, there is a median age. It's anywhere from 55 and up, really, but we have known women and actually young girls who've developed ovarian cancer. In fact, there's a, a local survivor here who had stage 4 ovarian cancer at age 16. But we don't want anyone to, you know, discount it and say, well, I'm too young for ovarian cancer, or right. some people think they're too old. I've actually had women in health fairs who are perhaps even older than me and come up to me and say, well, my eggs are all dried up. I can't have ovarian cancer. Yeah. And <laughs> the truth is that it does get a little bit more likely that you'll develop ovarian cancer the older you get, but we don't want women to think that they can't have it because they're not 55 yet. It can happen to anyone at any age. Uh, What do you Mm -hmm. think is probably the greatest challenge in the fight against ovarian cancer that we're facing right now? Well, I think it's early diagnosis. You know, if if ovarian cancer is diagnosed at stage one, women have a 95% chance of surviving more than five years. And that's an amazing survival rate. Mm -hmm. But since there's no test, Uh, women are often diagnosed at stage three or four. And at stage four, your chance of surviving five years is very slim. And ovarian cancer, unfortunately, is a disease that comes back quite uh, frequently. And women have what we call recurrences. So they may be cancer-free for a period of time, and then their cancer comes back. And that's more likely at stages three and four. So the goal is to get diagnosed early and That's why one of our biggest missions at the Colorado Ovarian Cancer Alliance is to raise awareness of ovarian cancer and make sure that women know the symptoms, but they also know the risk factors. And let me just, can I just talk to you a little bit about what the risk factors are? Absolutely. I think we need all the information (laughs) here we can get. All right. Well, risk factors can include um, if if you have a family history of breast, ovarian, or colon cancer, that can be put you at higher risk for ovarian cancer. We all remember and Angelina Jolie, her mother died of ovarian cancer, and then she had her ovaries removed and she had mastectomies mm-hmm. because she carried the BRCA uh, gene that predisposed her to breast and ovarian cancer. But also another risk factor is actually being of Ashkenazi Jewish descent. Hmm. So... Yes, it's, it's a, there's a higher incidence of that BRCA mutation that causes breast and ovarian cancer in the Ashkenazi Jewish population. And we also know that women who have never been pregnant are more likely to get ovarian cancer. And if we think about this another way, women who have never used birth control pills mm-hmm. are also at higher risk for ovarian cancer. So we know that some of that can be estrogen-driven, I don't think they understand completely why those are 
that that's the case. But if you've never been pregnant, you do have a higher risk. If you've never used birth control, you are also at higher risk. And they do think also that some women who use infertility treatments may be at higher risk for ovarian cancer. And it's interesting that you said the family history of not just ovarian Mm -hmm. cancer, but breast and colon cancer, too. Correct, because that can all be driven by that genetic mutation, the BRCA gene. Um, And then there are some other um, things that um, can predispose you to different types of cancer. So that's why when women are diagnosed with ovarian cancer or breast cancer or even any type of gynecologic cancer, it's really important for them to get genetic testing and counseling Mm -hmm. so they understand what their genetic makeup is. Because, for instance, for me as an ovarian cancer survivor, I know I have a higher risk of having having breast cancer, so I get more frequent screenings, I get different types of screenings, and they can adjust that type, the type of screenings that you get based on what your genetic profile shows. Well, and I think getting this information out about here are the symptoms, but here are the risk factors, too, just makes you more of an informed patient if you are suffering from something and when you go in to kind of be armed with that knowledge so you can self-advocate. Absolutely true. You know, our doctors are getting busier and busier all the time, and it's so important for each of us, whether you're a man or a woman, to to go in armed with information and to be prepared to be your own best advocate. We find very often that women are misdiagnosed with uh, and not told they don't have ovarian cancer when they might. Mm. The doctor might think it's uh, it's some sort of irritable bowel syndrome or something else. But there's for me, I had a doctor tell me that I didn't have ovarian cancer; that I was being hysterical. Oh my goodness! And <laughs> and so I, but I knew something was wrong, right. and I went to another doctor and got a second opinion and. Sure enough, I was in a gynecologic oncologist's office the next morning being treated for ovarian cancer. So, again, another really lucky part of my story. So it does count to be your, it really, really makes a difference to be your own best advocate and follow your gut. We tell women to trust their gut. Mm -hmm. If something doesn't feel right, go to the doctor, be persistent. Uh, The worst you can do is be told that you're, you're a little crazy, which is what my doctor told I, me. I can't even believe that. That just, oh my goodness. I can't imagine. No. <laughs> I hope you called that doctor back once you got your diagnosis. You know, I wish I had. Yeah. Uh, I really wish I had, and uh, but I did not, unfortunately. But the story ended happily anyway. Absolutely, it did. Well, tell me, once someone is diagnosed with ovarian cancer, um, being with the Colorado Ovarian Cancer Alliance, what are some of the programs that they should access and they have access to? Mm, thanks for asking. I'm really, really proud of this organization. I've worked for COCA for eight years, and we we started as a support group for women. Um, there was a support group that had been held somewhere else. They really wanted to keep it going. So there was some money that was raised so that we could start our own organization to keep that support group going. Now we have six monthly support groups. If it wasn't for COVID, they'd be all over the state, but now Mm -hmm. they're all virtually. And and even some uh, weekly support groups during the time of COVID to help women cope with the aspects of having cancer and dealing with COVID. We also have individual counseling. We have trained counselors who can talk to women, and these are all free programs, by the way. Uh, and so it. women, women get, you know, being diagnosed with any kind of major disease, especially one that is 
highly recurrent, is traumatizing. Sure. And so we wanted to meet that need by being able to provide individual counseling to women and to help and their caregivers, by the way. And we, we also have a financial assistance program. This is one of the programs I run called COCA Cares. And we provide a small amount, a, a grant to women every month to sort of help them keep a roof over their head. We, mm-hmm. It's not indefinite. It's right now for four months at a, at a time. Um, but I do know that we have helped women who have been homeless. Uh, we've helped women keep a roof over their head. We've helped women from getting their lights turned off. Um, and so just the basic needs, we're able to assist them during a time that's most challenging to them. I love it. So many great programs that you're talking about here. Uh, For women who are in need, where can they go to get a list of these programs and links and get in touch with you all? Sure. The best place to go is our website. It's colo-ovariancancer.org. And there's all sorts of information there, not only about ovarian cancer, but also about our programs. And there's a link there to our online resource guide, which provides tons of resources, both in both locally and nationally, for women and um, their caregivers. Well, it's an incredible program, a credible alliance, and I know that you're raising money here coming up on September 19th with Pedal yeah. with Columbus, Tyler Columbus, <laughs> former Denver Bronco, good friend of mine, and I know he just lost his mother just in the past yeah. few months to ovarian right. cancer. So, tell me about this Pedal with Columbus and how folks can get involved. Well, we couldn't be more thrilled that uh, Tyler has stepped up in this way. Um, He is going to be pedaling 100 miles around the outside of Mile High Stadium and Power Field at Mile High. And um, if you've ever, well, you've met Tyler. Mm -hmm. He's a big, tall guy. He's a big boy. (laughs) He is a driven athlete. And I'm thinking, I couldn't begin to think about doing that, but he's very driven to do this. And people can pledge. A, you know, a buck a mile, $2 a mile, $3 a mile, or make a straight donation in honor, in, you know, in support of Tyler. Right now, we've raised over $20,000, and our goal is twenty five. We had to up the goal because people were really responding in beautiful ways, and um, we want to see that keep going. Uh, he's He has made this commitment, and he has even said to us, He's not sure if he can ride 100 miles, <laughs> so. but I think he can just because yeah. of the kind of guy he is. I think he will do it. I know his uh, mm-hmm. sisters, his whole family are behind him in this, oh, and yeah. it really, it is heartwarming to see him do this, and I have no doubt that he will yeah. do it, and I love the fact that they're raising so much money for the Colorado Ovarian Cancer Alliance. So it's Pedal with Columbus. Is the link on the website to donate for that as well? The link is on our website, or you can go to pledgeit.org All right. and search for Pedal with Columbus. Okay, and the website again is colo-ovariancancer.org. Is that correct? That's right, Melissa. All right, Janine Smith with the Colorado Ovarian Cancer Alliance. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you, Melissa. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, I appreciate the information, and I think we've all learned a lot with this. So thank you for doing that. Best of luck, and we'll be all cheering on Tyler come September 19th. (laughs) Thanks so much. Take care. I'm Melissa Moore. It is Mile High Magazine. You can always listen to this show again and share it on your social media. Just go to the radio station's website. Once again, thank you for listening. Have a great Sunday. Be blessed, be kind, and I'll see you next week.